This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. On this edition of the Lynn's Report, the Emergencies Act inquiry is underway, revealing something increasingly disturbing about this country. World oil production seems to be stable even after tomato soup was thrown at a priceless Van Gogh painting. Doug Ford has proven, once again, he's just not into you. That and more. Let's get into it. Two young protesters attended the London National Gallery and proceeded to dump what appeared to be a can of tomato soup over Vincent van Gogh's sunflower painting. While priceless in the eyes of art lovers is also estimated to be worth at least $78 million. This was immediately followed by them gluing their hands to the wall of the museum and making what I'm sure they believe to be a very poignant statement. What is worth more, art or life? Is it worth more than food? Worth more than justice? Are you more concerned about the protection of a painting? or the protection of our planet and people. The cost of living crisis is part of the cost of oil crisis. Fuel is unaffordable to millions of cold, hungry families. They can't even afford to heat a tin of soup. Now, I'm confused. Was the statement about stopping oil production? Increasing oil production to bring the cost down to heat homes? Or about food prices? When they dumped a can of soup that they said nobody could afford to heat with the oil they want to stop because the oil's too expensive and the oil... The stunt caused no damage to the painting itself and only minor damage to the frame. Other vandalism masquerading as activism saw a Metropolitan Police Station covered in yellow paint, leaving a sign damaged and a young protester with a criminal record to help further their bright future, I'm sure. Parents, I implore you to talk to your kids. Remind them of the days of chaining yourselves to trees and bulldozers while they reside under the roof of the house that you provide them that was built with the beams from those logging companies farmed for you. Let them know that you heard about these change makers right here on this very piece of technology that you hold in your hand that was probably made out of components that were produced by using child labor and uh, also on the same devices used to record the pointless stunts that we saw here today. Maybe do them the biggest favor someone should have done every single failed activist farming social media likes and retweets. Let them know the real change starts on the inside or with tangible alternatives. Steering progress in a boardroom, perhaps. Innovating on existing technology or coming up with a goddamn solution. As much as we all like to romanticize David slaying Goliath with a penknife, reality proves it happens with a pen. Focus on getting inside the game and doing the real damage to the roots of the invasive capitalist species. Side note, I'm pretty sure the kid on the right in the art gallery is Stephen King's illegitimate offspring. I'm serious. The resemblance is uncanny. 
Maybe this is a book release or something. Conspicuously absent from this week's autopsy of the Emergencies Act was the unofficial Tim Hortons marketing director and part-time premier of Ontario, Doug Ford. Since the onset of the tire fire that was the Freedom Convoy, Premier Ford has consistently forgotten that Ottawa is actually part of the province under his elected jurisdiction. While Ford has, for the most part, unprejudiciously boot-fucked the entire province of Ontario during the pandemic, he has had a very obvious trait of pretending that Ottawa is somehow part of an exotic foreign part of Canada that isn't even remotely connected to Ontario. Premier Ford made it glaringly obvious that he believed the occupation of the nation's capital was solely the responsibility of the federal liberal government. His direction to do whatever it took to open trade points, however, under a provincial state of donor retention uh, emergency, a provincial state of emergency was not only the right call for the adult in the room, but also as transparent as cling film. Most of the trade that ground to a halt was in the currency of auto parts and food. The daily tally of loss at the Windsor-Detroit crossing alone was staggering. Those losses were directly felt by friends of his at Magna and Loblaws, I'm sure. While Duggars was out for a rip on his sled, his Bluetooth was probably ringing nonstop with calls from folks like Galen Weston asking how much of his record profit losses should be translated into Ontario PC Party donations. Like a good boy, who's a good boy? Premier Ford got those trade points moving again. It didn't take a lot of tactical intelligence, though. We here at the Dean Blundell Network were a large part of the Ram Ranch resistance that literally had protesters eating their own and questioning their own reality within days. We didn't have to work that hard to penetrate that brain trust. Doug got it done in a day, but when it came to freeing the citizens of Ottawa, which is still in Ontario... From the same burden of buffoons, it was crickets. The federal conservatives resigned themselves at the time, as admitted by their interim leader, Candace Bergen, to, quote, make this Trudeau's problem, unquote. Like the truth or not, the citizens of Ottawa were used as political pawns by proxy from the feds through the province, and the buck stops at good boy Dougie doing what he was told once again. When it comes to effective leadership, the outcome in current-day Ontario is dictated by the highest bidder. Ford doesn't make a decision without consultation from his party overlords or his pocket liners. The fact this happened right out on fucking Front Street, before your eyes and mine, and isn't grounds for his immediate removal from office is both appalling and indicative of how complacent we have become with getting hosed by Canadian conservative governments, provincially and federally. He has refused to take part in the Emergencies Act inquiry. Why? He doesn't want to incriminate himself. For the people? Fuck the people. Still ahead, Canada begins the mandatory investigation and public inquiry into the equivalent of the federal government coming home early on a Friday night finding the oldest child in charge and his undeserved trustworthy friends hosting a rager. That's next on The Lens Report. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... 
Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Canada is finally hearing the inside information from those responsible for pulling the pin on the Fringe Fest fire extinguishers. On Friday, the inquiry entered day number two of witness submissions and was broadcast live for the country to tune in. This portion of the Lynn's report is not a synopsis of the inquiry itself, but a commentary on what I observed in live stream comment sections from various YouTube channels that carried the predominantly dry and mundane testimony. We're in trouble, not in a sense of imminent physical danger, but our country as a whole is experiencing something unprecedented here. We've spent the last few years witnessing the value of fact and truth become worthless in the eyes and minds of a loud fraction of this nation. Irrefutable evidence and data to this group has devalued as drastically as the Bitcoin most of them push on their social media timelines. We're watching as dumb wins over a segment of our population who have been led to believe that if you don't like something, you can just pretend it away and make believe it never happened. It's not overly surprising or even behavior we haven't seen in the past. We're literally watching history repeat itself. I'm referring to the same tactics and methods that were used to lull Germans unhappy with the political policy of the day into a trance. Making a group of unhappy people feel as though they are victims of oppression. Making a self-labeled group of societal misfits actually put that suit on and wear it proudly in the name of the figures in authority who have tailor-made it for them. As I've said on this podcast before, the one priceless asset we all have at our disposal is data procured from past experience. A reference card, if you will, of historical failure and fortune. When you put that historical filter on present-day lenses, the red and green flags that pinpoint what we've already experienced appear clearly. To the emotionally sound, this tool is one of the most invaluable ones you possess in your toolbox. The process is easily broken down into two segments. While this is not a definitive, nuanced examination, it still holds true. Those segments are as follows. Segment 1. Fuck Around Segment 2. Find Out During the Fuck Around segment, it is understandable to watch mob mentality adopt more participants and allow furtherance of the tomfuckery that their puppet masters set in motion. As we've seen with the progression of the anti-everything crowd, beginning with online discourse to screaming Karens and Kyles at Walmart throwing toddler-esque temper tantrums about wearing cloth masks to the climax of the Freedom Convoy. Inside the silo filled with the fumes of the freedom farts, those huffing on them quickly forgot the ones they lost along the way. From Toronto barbecue and on joints, to micro Peter Foldfast burger joints, to failed mayoral candidates freezing in a forest trying to flee their own freedom frenzy, to a garbage bag toting merch peddling midget, having his own vacuous vixen and virtuous value brand veneers violently eating the unwashed floors of the West Edmonton Mall, courtesy of the Triple Five Property Management Security Team, those burnt-out beacons of bullshit were quickly tossed aside, only to have those pinnacle positions quickly filled by new, dim-witted deities du jour. We're now in the find-out segment. We're in that phase of the encounter where the wads have all been shot, the cigarettes have been smoked, and some of those who are wandering aimlessly in the fog of euphoria are left with buyer's remorse. They lay crestfallen, 
next to that proverbial bad choice, holding their limp member in their unwashed hand, wainfully wishing they didn't listen to the pimp's convincing sales pitch. The problem? You can't rub the venereal disease back inside that cheap thrill. The music has stopped, and if you're left without a seat, the only option now is to fold your bluffed, blundered, offsuit house of cards and allow the soothing balm of reality and truth to soothe and calm that burning sensation. Or you can double down, lose your entire chip stack, and get your YouTube videos and Facebook comment sections ready as evidence at the Nuremberg Trials. And if you think the house doesn't have the deck stacked against you in the spirit of democracy, good governance, and societal order, in true Romanian dictator fashion, please follow the kangaroo court cop outside for a quick chat in the alleyway. You can bring your unwashed commie spouse with you. But I just want to share something on that's more, you know, entry-level friendly. Right here it says, abortion is about demonic spirit enticement and invokement, blood sacrifices, harvesting adrenochrome, playing God, cannibalism, consuming and spilling the blood of children, obtaining witchcraft powers, and self-exaltation, which is the religion of the Antichrist. Paging Jamie Saleh and Theo Fleury, come get your boy from Queens Park. <laughs> you want change? Show up at the election box. Until then, take the flags off your pickup trucks and stop honking your stupid fucking horns, you potatoes. For the Lens Report on the Dean Blundell Network, I'm Ryan Lindley. See you next week. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.